High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Different than the Beach Party series. No, 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 no. <laughs> Simpatico. It's foreign. It's like high art. It's modern. It's. It couldn't be again more different than the Beach Party films. But well, it's I, already a twenty-year-old movie. So hey, true, true. But it's, it's definitely <laughs> a modernist film. I would even say it's kind of ahead of its time uh, in two thousand one. But we'll get there. Uh, first, you know, welcome. The High School Slumber Party Guys, the podcast where me and some friends, particularly Kyle today, uh, look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, as always. Kyle Reinfried here as well. We're here on San Emilio Island, USA, for the summer, just kicking it back, just chilling, just mi- making mixed drinks with each other. We had a good dialogue uh, uh, this week with uh, some some of our friends online, Kate Hudson, Joe Two. Some others about uh, tiki drinks and and tiki oh, mugs. Yeah. Love that. Love hearing that. Yeah, Kate is really into them and like collects mugs and was like talking to us, like talking shop. And, like Kate collects the weirdest it. things. The w- weirdest thing she collects, besides like all like random Twilight stuff, is she collects uh, merman ornaments for the Christmas tree. Okay. <laughs> so it's not, I mean, like, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of weird. And then, like, Twilight, sure. You know, but, like, Tiki mugs I would consider weird. But then, like, uh, so the, I, I will give an overarching. I mean, you obviously know her way better than I do. I don't know her at all. Uh, but, like, eclectic. Yes, yes, very much Definitely so. seems very eclectic. Very much so. But, you know, we've been, been enjoying the drinks here in the summer films like a little behind the scenes on High School Slumber Party. I've planned out my summers for years on this show, and I always wanted to do like a beach summer covering beach party movies, but also other beach movies. And when I Google searched, a lot of high school beach films come up. We've covered some already, trust me. Like The Way... Is it The Way Way Back? I think it's The Way Way Back. There's The Way Back. I think that's the Ben Affleck one. Or is that... Okay. And there's The Way Way Back. Sam Rockwell's in it. It's about a kid who works at like an amusement park. Oh yeah, yeah, that's. The... Oh uh, yeah, it's a, a Nat Faxon and Jim Rash film. We love them. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we, we've covered some other summer films here. But I just wanted to get so many out of the way now that we're island chilling here. And this movie came up, and I'm like, you know what? I never thought of this as like a teen movie, but it really is. Obviously, it just you know doesn't harken back to 16 candles no but 
thank you for having me on for it because I just have to say, I mean, uh, you know, obviously I always love being a guest, and I love <laughs> and I and I love seeing what movies you've covered so far, and uh, obviously you've had uh, you know a bunch of people on that I know, you know, some of our best friends, and it's just great to see people you know, reflecting on their high school years. And I just have to say, this is the closest I've ever felt to seeing my life shown on, you know, on the screen. So thank you. We think so alike, because literally that is what was going to be my next line to you. I was gonna, <laughs> I was literally, wrote, Kyle, I chose this because this, this just mirrors our high school experience together. This film, E2 Mama Tambien. See, see, yes. Yep. Yep. No, just, no, that's definitely no, not true. Yeah, yeah, we never woke up on a hut on a beach and then threw up and yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I <yeah>. wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. No, but uh Itu Mama Tambien. Sorry, let me use my correct pronunciation. I really can't wait to talk about this movie. I- I've seen this movie a bunch of times. But what's your history with Itu Mama Tambien? First time watching it. Nice, nice. I'm sure you've heard of it before. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I know it's your first time. It, it was quite a famous movie. For some reason, this is so random, but one of the things that always comes to me with this film is The Office. There's a out... It's not an outtake, but... I got so into The Office in college. And... The these, American Office. The American Office, yes. I mean, I saw The British Office, too, but, you know, it's hard to get into two seasons, you know. Um <laughs> But when when we were in college, The Office was, like, kicking and going strong those early seasons. And when you used to buy the DVDs back then, way back then, mm-hmm. they used to come chock full of special features, like the fourth disc of special features. And it had, like, commercials and promos and extended scenes. And there was a promo for The Office of, like, what they did over the summer. It was, like, to, you know, usher in the next season. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll find it online and put the clip in here or not. It's like Michael Scott, and he's like, it's when he was still dating Jan. Yeah. <laughs> and now, another installment of what The Office did on their summer vacation. Saw Ratatouille, walked out of it, did not buy it. Um, Jan made me watch Why To Mama Tambien, which means throw mama from the Tambien. Liked Ratatouille better. He's like, uh, what did I do this summer? Saw a bunch of movies. He's like, I saw Itu Mama Tambien, which I believe is translated as throw your mother off the Tambien. <laughs> <laughs> and he also goes, I, like, there's two parts of that that make me laugh. And he also goes, saw Ratatouille, hated it. Because <laughs> no one hates Ratatouille. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, uh, of course, it. It does not mean to throw your mother off the Tom game. <laughs> it means and your mother too. And stupidly, you'll find it listed as and your mother too in some places, which doesn't have the same ring to it. But you're right. Alfonso Caron, director here. I mean, he should be a household name if he isn't. I was looking. I mean, I knew him, obviously, and I was looking him up. But like, he is tied for like nominated for like the most categories in the academy awards i think seven or eight categories which is crazy yeah what a feat what a feat definitely definitely a legend here so i'm happy you go watch this movie for the first time because like it or hate it and we'll see what your take is on it you can't deny that this is not a beautiful beautiful movie yeah the look 
I was reading and I mean, just, just watching it, I was, you know, taking it all in and really paying attention, uh, before we started recording, I said, I didn't have too many notes written down. Cause also obviously watching, uh, with subtitles, you, you see Godfather of the cage club podcast, and Joey Lewandowski, Kyle reads, Kyle reads. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, just, but, but really paying attention to the cinematography. I mean, it's a, for the most part, a naturally, lit film uh which you know for anyone that just doesn't know what that means that means there was really no lights used just all daylight and just natural lighting of uh you know interior bar lights or like string lights that would just be at a place at nighttime you know not not too much else maybe using bounce boards to get a little light under the chin or something like that but just yeah beautiful looking film I, I was not lost at a few points, but just like, I feel like I definitely missed out on a few things. The whole, uh, what do they call their list? I think it's manifesto or something along those lines. Yeah, it's another word used, but manifesto is also used, definitely. Whether that was the translated word, they said manifesto in, like, in, in Spanish as well, which might be just manifesto. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I was a little lost at that point because they're just rattling off these things and uh and yes i do read but i'm not a fast reader so uh, but i still i really enjoyed watching this film and there's just uh there was a lot to take in a real um it's a coming of age movie no for sure intended. for sure like it definitely fits into the realm of what we do here in high school slumber party and it's a beach movie it's definitely a beach movie can't deny that yeah, finally becomes a beach movie. I was just like, uh, Brian, I thought we were doing beach movies. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's like backtrack a little bit and let me read the back of the DVD if you're not familiar with E Tu Mama Tambien. And then I'll go into my history with the film. So, E Tu Mama Tambien. Two thumbs up. I hate these. Sorry. <laughs> From the world-renowned director Alfonso Curran, comes this provocatively and unapologetically sexual coming-of-age tale. Nominated for a Golden Globe, you can tell when this DVD came out, this sizzling box office sensation is not only raucously funny, but also one of the most compelling sexy movies ever made. Julio and Tanok are two teens ruled by raging hormones and a mission to consume exotic substances. But one summer, the boys learn more about life than they bargained for when they set off on a wild cross-country road trip with the seductive 28-year-old Luisa. Both boys taste forbidden fruit as Luisa schools them in the finer points of passion. But will their mutual desire for her destroy their friendship forever? That's not really what the movie's about, but I mean, I guess, I guess. But It's a plot. It's one of the plots. It's one of the plots, yeah. So are you the Diego Luna and am I the Gael Garcia Bernal or is it the other way around? Um, hmm. Who would you rather be in real life, not in the characters? Who would I rather? I I, I want to be circumcised, so <laughs> I'm the Diego. <laughs> oh, Diego Luna's in Star Wars. Wait, is Gael Garcia Bernal in Star Wars? No, right? No. Like, did we miss him in some movie? <laughs> he is. He's. He is now in uh, what's the new uh, M Night Shyamalan film. Yes, like yes. Which is which is Kyle a beach film? A beach film, yeah. It is. You're right. Old. Wow. <laughs> Back to the beach for Gael Garcia Bernal as well. He's well on his way to a Frankie Avalon career arc. <laughs> 
Fun fact, uh, mentioning uh, circumcisions, uh, that Diego Luna isn't actually, and they needed to put a fake yes. circumcised. It's in my notes. Don't worry. We're going to talk. <laughs> we're going to talk penises. Good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> so my history with this film, there was a small window of people of a certain age that really got their film education in this weird way. I'm going to talk about Netflix. And I'm going to talk about not the Netflix that you and I know and love and all you slumbers know and love. I'm going to talk about that sweet spot of Netflix where it was like three or four years of just discs. Remember that? The old Q? Yeah, I, I, I never belonged to that. I was still a blockbuster loyalist. I was a blockbuster loyalist for a while through college. But once I, my senior year, I moved back home and I lived in my house, you know, my childhood home. But we had we had gotten a renovation, so it was a little bit different. And my family put in a home theater, which was awesome, right? I wish I had that now. That was great. I felt like that's bigger than my apartment now, you know? <laughs> and my mom subscribed to Netflix, and she's like, hey, do you want your own queue? I'm like, what? Sure. Why not? It's like five more dollars a month. Children, we're going to teach you a little lesson. Sit on, sit on Brian's lap here because we're teaching you something. They used to send you the disc, the DVD disc, right? And you used to have a queue. And if something wasn't available, it would pick the next thing on your queue and it would just send you that. You'd have to return it, get a new one, return it, get a new one, right? And I was like, let me take advantage of this. Let me re-educate myself in all the films that I have not seen, all the classics, right? Like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I, I would just go on like AFI list, like the best films ever, the funniest films ever, the best mm-hmm. foreign films ever. And I would just put them on there. And this came up. I remember watching it and, you know, really kind of enjoying it the first time because it was just, look, this came out in 2001. This was probably 2009, 2010 that I saw it for the first time. But just for me, the fact that this was a 2001 film, I was like mesmerized by it. I was like, this is pretty freaking awesome. I love the way it looked. It was very different than a lot of the things I was even watching at the time. I remember, though, um, you know, I'm Dominican. I understand Spanish. But I remember my aunt came over and, like, slept over for the weekend. And she's like, oh, a Spanish movie. This is cool. And she's like, do you mind if I watch it? I'm like, yeah, sure. And she watches like, Brian, that was a great movie. That was a weird movie. (laughs) And we both knew what we were talking about. We really couldn't talk about it. You know what I mean? I didn't really want to talk about that kind of stuff with my aunt, you know? Mm -hmm. But I just, it hearkened back to a time when I would just watch movies in the dark, alone, great movies, and kind of caught up before I really had the real responsibilities of life. You know, there were some responsibilities, but Kyle, you remember the stamina of being 21 and 22. You you could sleep like three hours a night and be okay. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Just going out drinking every night of the week. Every night. Every single night. Uh, but yeah, like that's my history with it. And I've revisited it from time to time. At the time, I didn't even like really know it was Alfonso Cuaron. And I think you have a similar history with this, Kyle. I knew Gael Garcia Bernal from the Motorcycle Diaries. Um, our teacher, John Housley, our film slash English teacher, John Housley, had the poster in the back of his room. Yes. That's an interesting story of how I first saw that film. Literally, the poster, like we said, was in the back of our film class, the film teacher's room. It came out in the theater on wide release, because he had it before it was on wide release. And again, this is like, quote unquote, wide release. It wasn't like a blockbuster film. And then our good friend Dow and I went to go see it at the Emerson Quad. I don't know if you remember that theater. 
Oh, wow. It was, I think, the last movie I ever saw at the Emerson Quad. And we went in so cold turkey. The fact that it's a long movie. I think it's like three hours long, or at least like two hours and a half. Uh, maybe not. What's 126 minutes? That's just two hours and six minutes. Okay, so it's just two hours. I thought it was longer. <laughs> maybe there's a longer cut, whatever. It feels long because it's like a journey movie. It's like a road trip movie. But had no idea that it was a, like a movie in Spanish and subtitled. And it took me at least two hours and a half in to realize it was about Che Guevara. Like, because they don't call him Che to like later in the film. Like, oh, snap. And I remember our good friend Mike had a similar story. Um, I bought the DVD when it came out. He went to visit me in college. And I ironically had this three-hour Spanish class at night. Um, it was just like a once-a-week kind of class. Mm-hmm. And he got, you know, he got there maybe the midday. And I'm like, Mike, I'm really sorry. I have this class. After, afterwards, we'll go out. Um, and I'm like, hey, you know, want to watch this DVD? He's like, sure. Whatever. I left him in my dorm. He watched the DVD. He's like, yeah, I had no idea that was about Che Guevara until the end, too. (laughs) But yeah, I always loved Gael Garcia Bernal from that. Diego Luna followed his career as well. Um, And in terms of just Mexican cinema, I think you and I um, had a similar journey with that, too, because all these guys came up at the same time. What do they call them? The Three Amigos? Curran, Inaritu, and Guillermo del Toro. I know, Kyle, you were the first one to tell me about Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, his movies overall are the ones like I enjoy the most because, I mean, they, uh, I guess out of the three, uh, he's just so fantastical and he's like such a nerd. I love the films by all, all, all three directors and now they are all Academy Award. All of them, directors. all three. And I, I'll be honest with you. Love Guillermo del Toro. Never thought that he would be the one. He would get an Oscar, right? Because he was doing like Hellboy. Like, you know, that's what I was thinking. Pacific Rim, of course. And Pacific Rim's good, but not like best picture Oscar winning stuff, you know? Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth's awesome. But it's like, it felt like a foreign film. It didn't feel like something that would cross over. Yeah, well, I guess at that time, yeah, that still, the the first one to do that was uh, the film from two years ago, Parasite. You know, that one, well, now, what is it called? What's the category? International film. International. Yeah. So it won international and best picture, which is a rarity. I think Pan's Labyrinth would, if it came out now, like would possibly have. It would contend. It would contend for sure. It would contend. Yeah, exactly. But then, uh, you know, but then he ends up winning for The Shape of Water. And that one best picture, which is also, I mean, that's pretty rare for a genre film like that. I mean, the only other ones that really come to mind are like No Country for Old Men and Silence of the Lambs. Besides that, like, they tend to be a bit more predictable. You know, Parasite definitely wasn't predictable, so I'll say that too. For sure. No, no, I I hear definitely what you're saying. But again, I love these guys because I think Mexico... Their film scene really did not get the respect it deserved until these three guys kind of broke through Hollywood like this. And again, all three of them are just amazing, amazing directors and they're all in their own right and they're friends, which is really, really cool. And, and you know, Guillermo del Toro starts off with like, didn't he do like one of the Blade movies, I think? <laughs> like yeah, Blade, Blade 2. And then uh, Iñárritu, he's someone who I was tangentially familiar with as well. But I think we saw Birdman in the theater together, right? I think so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Birdman's awesome. I actually saw one of his earlier films, Amores Peros. This guy worked at my dad's store, and I worked there too as a teenager. I don't know. I was talking with him about movies. I was talking about watching City of God. He's like, 
oh, you like City of God? There's like these great Mexican directors you have to check out too. If you like Brazilian directors, check out this film Amores Peros. And I was like, okay, awesome. And, and I and I get at the time, I wasn't as film literate. Like I would watch movies and not care who the director was. You know, I wouldn't even think about that. I just was watching purely for the story. But as we get to Quran, of all, of the three, I think he has like equally as amazing of a story arc for him, if not like the most interesting. I think when he won for Roma, everyone started to like really know his name. And then Gravity, too. He won for Best Director for Gravity, right? Yes, yeah. Which is so different. Like, all his films are not so different, but, for example, you know, on Mike Manzi's show, Third Time to Charm, I did a Harry Potter movie of his. It's just so interesting <laughs> and so uh, amazing. And I honestly, I've always really loved his style. And with Itu Mama Tambien, it has a very interesting story of how he... he decided to do that project he was actually doing a lot of mexican tv a lot of uh just you know smaller mexican projects um he caught the eye of hollywood and they started to groom him to do like big hollywood projects he did this movie called a little princess mm-hmm. are you familiar with that yes yeah I, I don't think it was like a huge success right like i was tangentially familiar, uh, familiar with it and then he did Great Expectations, which was supposed to be, like, a big success. Have you seen that one as, like, Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow and Hank Azaria, apparently? I don't think I've ever seen that movie, no. It's uh, it's based on the Dickens novel, and I'm pretty sure it was a flop, because I've never seen it either. He just honestly got sick of the whole Hollywood model. He, he's like, is this really what I want to become? Again, ironically, he does a Harry Potter film after after Mama Tambien. Yeah, because but- I was going to say, like, what a... <laughs> What a crazy and and it's revered as the best in the franchise out of what some people love it, some people don't. It is a polarizing Harry Potter film if that exists. <laughs> I really like it. I like uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. My wife is in the corner giving the no signal. Not a fan of Prisoner of Azkaban, <laughs> but some people do. Gary Oldman, right? He's the Prisoner of Azkaban. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> no, but Itu Mama Tambien. He really wanted to go back to his roots, not just his Mexican roots, obviously, of telling a true Mexican story, but he wanted to do something simple. As you said, the lighting, Kyle, is simple. While the story is layered, right? It just takes place over a weekend or a couple days. We'll say I don't know if it's the, exactly the weekend, but. The music, right? You're the one who educated me on this term. There's no actual music playing. It's all coming, what is it, diegetically or is it non-diegetic? Diegetic is when it's living in their world. Yeah, so it's all coming diegetically. There's not a single you know, score or track playing in the background. Every bit of music we get. And the music is great. It's awesome. It's coming from the radio or coming from you know, just someone playing it somewhere. which or a band playing, you know, which I think is awesome. It's just like a, such a naturalistic film the shots are long shots um the whole thing was done handheld which is really really cool yeah it just definitely harkens much more towards like documentary style yes yes absolutely that's what he wanted to do and i think this is a style that a lot of people do nowadays in 2001 not a lot of people were doing this there was a i know this was shot before 9-11 and they call it like post 9-11 movies but there's an acknowledged cultural void from like 1999 to at least the mid to late 2000s, where we were, were trying to figure out like what the next artistic movement was going to be. That's not true of high school films because you get like American Pie and a bunch of other stuff. But in most, in terms of like artistic film language, Kyle, I was messaging you the other day that I was watching some 
late 90s, early 2000s movies. And trust me, I loved them and I enjoyed them, but they felt so dated, you know? <laughs> so dated. And this feels ahead of its time in 2001. You can see why this guy wins Oscars later for stuff, like, just in terms of his vision. Um, this reminds me of Roma, too, in terms of, like, the social criticism of Mexican society. And I, really, I can't wait to talk about this movie. Yeah, I was going to say that The Prisoner of Azkaban was the first film of his that I saw. But it must have been A Little Princess. I just didn't know it. Yeah, I actually haven't seen it. I was I was familiar with it, but I hadn't seen it. But I feel like it was like the same time as like the Secret Garden that came out. It was definitely a, it was definitely a movie that like my sister wanted to watch. <laughs> it feels like it's in that realm, right? <laughs> but the film of his that I love the most is Children of Men. Children of that's Men, just, of course. That's great. It's great. That's just like my all like just one of my all time favorite films, and is absolutely amazing. So that's when I really fell in love with his style and just he definitely is a storyteller that always has something to say so the three of these guys have are all distinct in their filmmaking right but they all have their oeuvre is just amazing to me like i would love to have a marathon uh, watch all their films you know i just want to hear them talk in like talk shop <laughs> yeah because yeah, they they're freaking friends imagine all you and all your friends win academy awards for best director that even george lucas hasn't won one so that doesn't even happen with that crew <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i guess what it's just a scorsese spielberg coppola de palma yeah not wait de palma de palma won best director didn't he didn't he win i don't know actually what would he look won that for? up right i'll look that up right now yeah i don't know what he would have won for like for Scarface or Untouchables? I don't know. Untouchables, maybe. Scarface was, like, panned at the time. While you're looking that up, let's talk the the cast here. We already mentioned Gael Garcia Bernal, but he actually was not the first choice for the role as as Julio. He was way down the line. Um, Curran did not want a known commodity in that role, and Gael Garcia Bernal was, like, a young soap opera hottie he was in like the mexican versions of teen beat magazine it was like it was like casting um you know like i don't want to say zach efron but like zach efron back in the day kind of zach efron or like, yeah or even robert pat uh, patterson pat our, pattinson our, our or, pats in a sense or like yeah. or even like and i was not singing but like a justin bieber level person he's like that doesn't go with my vision but he had casted diego luna he really liked diego luna and Gaia Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna have been friends since they were children. Um, their parents ran a like uh, worked in a theater company together, so they've been like running around stages literally since they were babies. And Diego Luna, essentially, the story goes like he begged Curran, he's like, "Hey, cast Gaia Garcia Bernal. We are going to have the chemistry you want, the chemistry you need." For these roles. And I'm glad they did because they have tremendous chemistry. And again, they're still, I mean, as far as I know, they're still friends to this day because I always see them together and shit, you know? Yeah. And this this film definitely brought them closer together than ever, so. Yeah, but you know what? Like, just like what happens in the film, you might have this experience and be like, I'm going to go my separate ways for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the old, uh, I think it's in Deliverance. Yeah, it's Deliverance where uh, the... Spoiler alert, the, the two guys who end up surviving are like, he's something along the lines of like, Frank, uh, I hope you don't mind if we don't talk for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
De Palma didn't win Best Director. I oh. never, yeah. So well, he's, he's a bit problematic, so I don't want to go. Oh, and get oh, shut yeah. up for it. Okay. <laughs> um, but the third lead here is the mama, if you will, Maribel Verdú. Verdú. She is actually from Spain. She plays a Spaniard in this beautiful woman. Even today, if you like, I mean, sorry, that sounds like sexist, but sorry, she is a beautiful lady. Gorgeous, absolutely stunning. And I was just like the whole time because of the uh, style and the handheld, they never had too many like close-up shots. No, and that was on purpose, by the way. Alfonso Cuaron hated how the notes he would get from studio execs that, oh, we need a close-up of this person. Mm, I like the dailies, but we need more close-up. Like it pissed him off so much that he wanted to minimize close-ups in this film. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely that's interesting. And I'm like, I just want to see her face. And then finally she, like, does that, like, dancing, like, oh. directly towards the camera. We'll, we'll talk about like... that, Kyle. I had, Most of my notes are about that scene. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> once you once you get into it there, it's like, wow. And I forgot she's in Pan's Labyrinth as well. Yeah, she's like the freedom fighter, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she's great. And just a little bit about, like, the Spanish, right? Uh, Dominican Spanish is the Spanish I'm most familiar with. Mexican Spanish for me is very, very hard. They use like, ahorita means something completely different in Mexican Spanish than every other Spanish. Ahorita in some Spanishes means later. And I think in Mexican Spanish it means right now. Like it's, there's stuff like that, right? They also speak with a very distinct accent. I've been to both Mexico and Spain. Uh, have you been to Mexico? I have not. Ooh. Definitely got to be on your to-do list. No, yeah, it's, it's on my list, obviously. Fuck, fuck Delta. <laughs> not the airline. No, not the airline. <laughs> uh, we love Delta. Give us more miles. But um, <laughs> Spain, you and I have both been to, so that's an accent I'm a lot more familiar with. So when she was talking, I didn't really have to read the subtitles. She speaks in a very thick Castilian accent, but it's still like, understandable to me i always have trouble with the mexican accent so uh, i did have to follow along and you know they're speaking very fast at times so it, it's definitely something you need to read i watched a lot of cheech and chong as a kid so I was yeah fine. so you know yes <laughs> especially the chong parts yeah <laughs> yeah man <laughs> i think she's a vision i love her i, I think she I don't know. I wish I saw her in more things. Maybe I'll watch more Spanish language movies. Other than that, really, the cast wasn't too familiar with me. We don't see a lot of people as it is a road trip movie. Um, one thing to note about our three principles, Curon wrote this very loosely. He was like, here's the plot. Here are some things I want to happen, but work with me, guys. Improv. R- riff a little bit. Like when they're in the car, they're riffing a lot. You know, even uh, some people they meet who are kind of like extras, a lot of that was like realish. you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they would just try to have conversations with people. And I think that comes out in the film. It does feel very, even though it's not our first language, it does come off very natural what they're saying to each other. And that's why, again, uh, props to Diego Luna for getting his friend in on this. You want that kind of natural rapport with people, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, like you said, it really it really pays off. And just uh, once the three of them, once once we get them in the car on this road trip, and they just have such great chemistry. And um, you know, I, I again, this was the first first time watching it. Uh, I had an idea where it was gonna go, just like kind of the basic like plot 
thread, but it was still captivating and just, I guess it was just the energy that I was getting from the three of them that really kept it going. And boy, I was wrong as I rechecked my notes. It was uh, Gael Garcia Bernal who was cast as Julio, and Diego Luna was the uh, heartthrob in Mexico who uh, he didn't want to cast as Tinoch. So reverse that, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I had read that, but I didn't want to didn't correct you. I mean, makes sense regardless. They have that chemistry. But yeah, I mean, let's let's get into it. Let's talk about some interesting stuff of the movie because there's certainly some interesting things. Yeah, we'll call it the first act, right? Which is just kind of wow. I mean, this movie opens up pff, teenage sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, what a way to open a movie. I said, all right, but now that's how you start a movie. So teenage sex and. Uh, Kind of hating on Italians. Oh my god! What is it? It's like every movie we covered this summer is like it's Italian. It's amazing, but yeah. So the guys, right? Like their girlfriends are going off on a trip to Europe, a trip to Italy specifically, and they're having a little bit of goodbye sex. It just reminded me of high school in a sense. Like oh, the Italians that came over. <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking that. We had oh, a gr- with their oh, okay. <laughs> no, but. You think your girlfriend is going to last forever, and looking back, you're like, huh, you know, that was such a dumb idea. People go on trips like that, and, you know, probably going to get laid. Like, yeah, these... <laughs> broaden their horizons, the world. Which, is, there's nothing wrong with that, but, like, in high school, you're just confused. I don't know how to, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's good to have your heart broken. And I loved the juxtaposition, as, as fucked up as it's going to sound, I love the juxtaposition of their, like, sex scenes in the beginning. Tinoch is a little bit more, I don't want to say, yeah, passionate, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. passionate. And then uh, uh, Julio's is just like... Because he's not allowed to stay over, which is so relatable back in the day, right? And he's just like, you know, she's like, oh, let's do it quick. I want a little piece of you before I leave. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Like, gone. (laughs) There's a lot of places that say that the sex scenes are real in this movie. I don't know. I read that what the one between Diego Luna and her in the motel the first time they have sex. Which again, I've read that that's not the case, and that you know who knows, who knows? but I, it looks real. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean it's it's extremely passionate, and just the way that they are like really like. I mean, they're in there. They're interlocked. They are. They are just like they. They sell it. I'll just put it that way. So for anyone that says that it was real, I'd be like, well, yeah, it looks really real. So, <laughs> and it's passionate. I'm not dissing it in that way, but it also again feels very real. It's not like porn, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? No, no, yeah, exactly. I definitely have to laugh just at her reaction to both of them and just their naivete and just their how immature they are and just their uh, you know zero knowledge and experience in it all and just their how selfish of lovers that they are (laughs) for sure all of that that just is stuff that you learn over time with obviously with i mean it can be with one partner and just the more that you you become more familiar or or it could be with a multitude of partners. I feel like I'm getting. Uh, I feel like I'm getting the sex talk from you. This is nice. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> one thing that we really need to note is just the layers 
in this film. Um, so Gael Garcia Bernal's character, Julio, he's, he's described as working class in a lot of descriptions. I wouldn't put it that way, but he's certainly middle class, right? Like he's not... Because yeah. we see working class people in this, and he's certainly not to their level. And Tenoch is upper class. The president goes to... The president of Mexico goes to his, like, one of his cousin's weddings, you know? They are in the upper echelon of society. And if you're not too familiar with Mexico and, and Mexican culture, you see it a lot in Mexico City in particular. Classism is huge in Mexico. And Mexico City is a modern cosmopolitan city. If you think of, like, all the depictions of Mexico are, like, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that is not the case. Uh, Mexico is a very developed country, and, a, and the power is concentrated in Mexico City. There are elite families. I remember my mom and dad went to a, a wedding in Mexico that was three days long on a ranch, like, horses everywhere, like the richest extravaganza they've ever seen, you know. Um, there are these families in Mexico that are like this. And there's, like, you know, there's a colorism element as well. A lot of those families tend to be light-skinned, whiter, you know, as we see here. It's it's funny because you could read this movie on a very flesh level, like a superficial, sexy tale of going to the beach with an older woman. But they really hit you with the hammer with all the other things that are going on, which I actually really, really like. This is 1999 in Mexico. It was a really impactful time in Mexico. As they describe in the film, basically the same party was ruling for over 70 years, and the party changed. A lot of protests around then, a lot of student action and and workers' protests as well. It's not for the same causes, but the best way I can describe this, the backdrop of this film, it's like that this sex adventure is taking place Minus COVID, but during, like, the whole Black Lives Matter protest thing, you know? Again, different issue, but almost equally as uh, impactful and angry of a time in its country's history. And Quran is showing, like, that these kind of middle-to-upper-class kids are almost unaware or don't really care that that's surrounding them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that it's... uh, that they're not aware. And then also the specific age of these guys and just, like... I mean, again, like you said, their girlfriends are going on a summer trip to Italy, and the, you know, uh, we've got who 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 is saying like uh, you know that was Diego Luna at the beginning, yeah, like m- rattling off every kind of country. Don't sleep with an Irishman. Don't sleep with, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, and they're just like like you said in the more like passionate sense. And then as soon as they both like drop them off at the airport they're just like okay what party are we gonna go to to get late or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and that's just their 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 life at that point and so like what the one dad is pissed because he failed a class like that was you know stuff like that that i wasn't fully like 100 percent sure of just because of the pace of the dialogue and reading it but yeah uh, but honestly it's kind of minimal in a sense that like they're just they're kids fucking around, smoking weed, and just having a good time. And, uh, again, th- both their parents are super trying hard for them. Again, Julio's family is a little bit more of a broken family. Tenoch's family is more, again, well-to-do in a sense. He has a he has a, um, a maid, a housekeeper, who's kind of raised him. I love that moment when they're on the road trip that, like, the narrator or whatever essentially says, like, you know, he passed the town of where his housekeeper lived and he always wanted to kind of visit it and learn about it, but he didn't mention it to anyone. Like I, like that subtle things like that I love. And even their names too. 
So the last names are all representative of like heroes or people in Mexican history, Zapata, Iturbide, and uh, Luisa Cortez is the Spanish woman who, who we'll get to. And Cortez, of course, conquered Mexico as a Spaniard. Hernan Cortez, uh, not the lady. Um, <laughs> but Tinoch, I love his name because Tinoch is a like really, really, really native Mexican name. You're not going to see that in any other Spanish country. And the rich guy has that name. And it's almost like we, we would call it the equivalent of like being woke today, you know? Like, uh-huh. I, I'm going to name my son the most ethnic Mexican name, even though I'm the most removed from that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It would be like if, if I gave like my kid a Native American name. Yeah, no, it, really. It would be something along those lines. Sam Oset Reinfried. <laughs> <laughs> we are not qualified to go through all the layers of this film. I'm trying my best. I'm sure someone who's more well-versed in uh, Mexican society and Mexican history will be like, Ryan, you have it completely wrong. I hope I don't. You know, I, I tried to do my research, but... You and I are just exploring this movie as a coming-of-age beach movie rather than, oh, remember that protest or, or that here and that there. But Yeah, but you definitely, the point being, you see stories that he is interested in telling and he continues them with films like Roma mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just whether it's themes with class. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, there's classism in those movies, the Weasleys. True, true, true. Uh, which is why the only reason I watch Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just like this first act of the movie, it's really to get to know these two friends and to see their friendship and already how fucking close they are with one another. Ooh, I mean, a little too close, com- a little too close. Commenting on one another's dicks. A little grab ass in the shower. Well, yeah, to COVID standards, at least six feet apart on different diving boards, masturbating. Ooh, do you like? Do you like the part where the semen just falls into the pool? <laughs> I prefer that to uh, happiness, right? Is oh God, P- Philip Seymour Hoffman movie that that has a cum shot in it, and so I, I prefer the at least this one. This movie compared to that, like that movie, happiness is meant to gross you out and like anger you like that's not what they're doing here you know i wasn't angry watching this no this this yeah that movie's supposed to like shame you and disgust you shock you even shock you exactly that's more like yeah it has like horrific sides of sex this is just like the kind of you know there isn't there's an innocence to it and just an arrogance you know just everything that i was saying it's like teenage males you know and especially you know, this machismo that's common in Latin America, but obviously even here, like a man has to be a man, right? And you got to have all these girlfriends and do all this. And it, it, it's silly considering where we end up in the movie, but we'll, we'll get there. The other big moment in this first act is, of course, meeting up Luisa at the wedding. And I mean, she's striking. Like you, you look at that, that wedding. What is it like? A horse ceremony or whatever. It's it's a very beautiful thing. There's a mariachi band. But when you first see her, it's kind of in the side of the shot. And I just think it's like awesome, you know, because she is once again striking and she's dating their cousin who's such a freaking what's his name? Oh, uh, God. Yano or Yano. Yeah. And the cousin is a supposed writer. Tenoch wants to be a writer and they have like a little conversation. It's so condescending. <laughs> Like, oh, I studied, I went to graduate school. I'm a real writer, unlike you, you know? You know, flash forward a little bit, we learn that Yano is cheating 
on Louisa when he calls her crying in the middle of the night, which is like, come on. Like, I mean, yeah, drunk, drunken crying. And... Ugh, I hate this guy. Honestly, I just hate this guy. <laughs> um, and it, it kind of spurs uh, the story where we get here. Which it ends up being a road trip movie. Because the guys at the wedding are kind of like bullshitting about this beach they know. Like, hey, you don't want to go to that beach. No, come to this special beach that we only know. Not ever thinking that like this, or the wife of his cousin is going to go along with this plan, right? But when she hears <laughs> that cheating message and she ends up calling them, they're like kind of impromptu like, yeah, I guess we got to go to the beach, you know? <laughs> yeah, if this was a beach party movie, it would be called Heaven's Mouth Beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's what the beach is called. I know we said this is like so far removed from the beach party movies, but it really isn't in a sense that he doesn't say beach party, but Alfonso Cuaron was inspired by road trip movies from the 20s and 30s, American road trip movies. Um, He just definitely didn't want to shoot it in the Hollywood style, but he loved the idea of moving along. Like, I guess he probably talking more about like on the road again and things like that, but he definitely wanted that unique Mexican scenery and the mexican setting and we get that throughout this film because once they're on the road and this isn't a long film it's an hour and 45 minutes um it's it's fast and but once they're on the road it kind of becomes more of a dialogue piece right yeah which is kind of um i mean just the uh the most recent uh winner for best picture nomadland oh yeah that's a good call of the of the same ilk yeah definitely definitely you see a lot of uh, this in Nomadland. I wonder if they were inspired by this film a little bit. While we're on the road, did anything uh, catch your interest here between the teens and the, the older women, Louisa? By the way, if you watched at home and you were a little confused, maybe Spanish is not even your second or third language. Um, it does go fast. They are teenagers. Um, it's not clear what year of high school they're in. I always thought they were seniors, but it seems like they're juniors because we, when we see a year later, they've finally gotten into school. Does that make sense? They might do school differently in Mexico. The point is, they are of high school age. I thought they were graduating high school, and then I just kind of figured maybe it was like how a lot of Europeans do. They're taking like a gap year. It's possible. It's possible. I'm, I'm not quite sure. They're 18. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. Like they're, they're of age, but they're um, pre-college, we'll put it. Yes. So yeah, anything of note? I mean, it's. I mean, it really comes down to just this dialogue and then you know peeling back this onion and just like these layers and uh, obviously the two friends know one another very well, but her getting to know them and you know she she says like eventually like toward you know towards the end of the movie like towards you know like the in the third act like. I know why you invited me. You want to sleep with me. Like, you know, like she's not naive to it or anything like that, but I think she's just kind of, she's literally along for the ride and she's just really going with the flow. I mean, she admits that in multiple ways. Like she says to Tinoch, if Julio came to the door, I would have slept with him. Like it wasn't, you know, I wasn't here, you know, waiting for you or anything like that. Um, so yeah, and just stuff along the way, I guess it's just, them getting to know one another. I mean, you know, there's some funny moments. There's, I mean, once they really get into the sexual talk and she's kind of, like, educating them and she brings up a little, uh, as as I call it, digit play. <laughs> and, and then the radiator blows or whatever. Like, that's a funny moment. Because <laughs> who doesn't love some digit play? 
And <laughs> I mean, it's just, I wish I saw this as a, a, at like that age. As a teenager, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really, I would have been a, uh, a better lover for it, if I have to say that. <laughs> And they have these rules, right? And I was trying to write them all down, but there's like a bunch of them. There's like nine or ten. Like, only root for this team, hate this team, you know, uh, in soccer. But a lot of them have to do with each other. And one of the like, try to get high every day is one of them. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I was looking it up too. So it's the Charolastra, right? Is That's that what it's called? Charolastra? Yeah, C-H-A-R-O-L-A-S-T-R-A Manifesto. So, yeah, Charlasta Manifesto. Oh, it means Space Cowboy. That's cool. Ah. It's the Space Cowboy Manifesto. That's what they call each other. Big Steve Miller fans, these guys. (laughs) Because I know Chato is a cowboy. So, I was like, Charlasta. But I guess that makes sense, like, Astro in there. so did you get the rules uh, i'll read them but it like kind of doesn't make sense uh the, there is no greater honor than being a charlastra uh do whatever you feel like pop beats poetry Get high at least once a day. You shall never not screw another Charles Astor's girl, which comes up later. Oh, yeah. Whoever likes Team America is a fag. Mexican culture says that word a lot. They're trying to stop. I know that. Um, But yeah, that's that's literally, I wrote that down. That is literally something to say. Yeah, Team America is not Team America World Police. That's (laughs) That's a soccer team in Mexico City. They're like the Yankees in Mexico City. Gotcha. And uh, number seven, whacking off rules. Uh, <laughs> number eight, never marry a virgin. Number nine, whoever roots for Team America, it's worth repeating. Uh, number 10, truth is cool but unattainable. Number 11, the asshole who breaks any of the previous rules loses his title of Charlastra. And of course, they break the rule of rooting for Team America at one point. No, no. Um, <laughs> the big rule that's broken is we learn the sex with the girlfriends thing. But I love how we learn that too, because you mentioned already Luisa ends up sleeping with uh, who is it first? Tenoch first? Yeah, Tenoch first. Yeah. And by the way, I, I know you read that note that he shot the sex scenes the exact same length. Which oh, is, yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> But she, he, she ends up sleeping with Tenoch first. Then Julio admits that he slept with Tenoch's girlfriend, which really upsets Tenoch. He broke a rule. He broke a rule. But yeah. then Luisa ends up sleeping with Julio. And she, you could you feel like, again... Down by the schoolyard. Yes, down by the schoolyard. No, in the car. Feel like, she says, like like you said, like it, she was planning to sleep with both of them, kind of. And you feel like she was kind of doing it to even it out there, too. You know? 
Um, uh-huh. just, she could teach the boys a little bit of a lesson in many ways. And then Tenoch admits that he slept with Julio's girlfriend. So everyone slept with everyone's girlfriend at this point. Yeah, at that point, she thought she could tell something was up between the two of them. And she thought that the, she came between the two of them. She was kind of trying to make a little even Steven moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was that after, because Julio, like, they, Tinoch left, like, the door open when he went into the room. He was just supposedly going into the room to ask her for some shampoo. And she was having another crying spell over Tinoch's cousin, whatever his name was again. She's just like, take off your towel. And then just total, like, I thought it was going to be a bit more, like, tutorial. But then they just, like, jump right in it because like before that they were having sexual conversations she was kind of like giving a little bit of her knowledge like to them and asking them about certain you know certain things and their you know how they are as lovers with their girlfriends and all 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 that kind of stuff but yeah no that she ends up i mean just kind of having him on top of her and he does not last long whatsoever no, what is it? Both of, both of them are a minute and twenty eight seconds, or something along those lines. I mean, not even. I think like when the, the, that that fact that you read in like the IMDb trivia or whatever. I think just the whole act of like them mm. taking off clothes because they are not. That's like a you know fifteen second kind of like very very quick moments for them once. Uh, I guess. Uh, Alice to say it once there's penetration. So, yeah. So then, like you said, it happens in the car. Then she goes out. She, like, uh, apologizes kind of to Tinoch. And then they get back in the car. And then, um, I forget why. What makes them stop? I guess he says it in the car eventually to julio about like tino admits that he also then slept with julio's girlfriend and julio has a really big freak out yeah yeah even bigger because there is this element between them of class right like julio has a bit of chip on his shoulder that he's yeah he's just yeah he's a he's a a spoiled rich kid yeah like he like the the car they take is tino is the spoiler oh i'm sorry yeah tino yeah tino yeah is a, yeah, spoiled. Uh, the car they take is like Julio's sister's that he'll use sometimes, and she's off protesting or whatever right now. Yeah. So they borrow it. I don't think that they make it sound like. I think they make it sound like they're borrowing it for the day, and then they're gone for uh, quite a few days. Yeah, like, and the reason they can't take one of Tinoch's cars is because, and they, what do they call it, the Batmobile or whatever. Yeah. And it's because when they got drunk after a party one night, they broke a headlight and so his dad is kind of you know has him on a timeout with that it's like oh you know he's <laughs> they're kids in the end of the day they're kids yeah it just it reminds me of some of we grew up in a affluent area and some kids had some always oh, a joke but there was definitely truth behind it like the student parking lot at our high school arguably had nicer cars than a lot of the teachers oh definitely definitely and i remember one kid didn't like the new car that he got and so he was like dinging it and denting it on purpose so oh my god what an yeah. asshole exactly <laughs> as i drove my 91 honda accord with the electric seat belts high school story. And, no, and no and no airbags <laughs> high school story yeah <laughs> 
And while they're on the road, they're like meeting a lot of local people and you're seeing a lot of kind of traditional Mexican countryside things. Uh, there's that one stop they have with like the girl who's, I guess it's like her quinceanera or something. And they, they like make a little donation and stuff. <laughs> they kind of just like block off the road. Yeah. I mean, I, I hey, guess that's a tradition. I don't I, know. Yeah. They didn't seem like, oh my God, what's happening? You know? No. Yeah. They weren't weaponized or anything. <laughs> I do remember the first time I saw this movie, I was kind of shocked with uh, the third act. I thought we were going to have this movie where, because again, the beach is made up. So I thought we were going to have this movie where there was no beach all along. Like the beach was in their hearts or something like that, (laughs) you know? And the whole third act is like beach town. They finally make it to a beach and it's like they literally almost stumble on a beach with their car. And it ends up being this most like serene, beautiful, quiet beach, you know, a real beach in Mexico, I believe in the Oaxaca state. Um, Beautiful, beautiful. And we have our entire third act here, which I don't know. I actually really liked it. I mean, the setting is just amazing the way it's shot. Also, another thing that happens in these movies that I'm used to is like achieving their goal at the last minute. And that's not what happened here. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was. I understand what you're saying by that. But at least I, again, kind of had an inkling that like one of the biggers, like the big story beat, no, and no pun intended, the the kind of the climax was going to be the three of them having sex together. Oh, for sure. For sure. And even the uh, other secret that's revealed, they're really, really implying it throughout the movie. I just, again, remember thinking that first time that all this would happen in the last five minutes. You know, mm-hmm. like like they would get to the beach and... We would learn everything in the last five minutes here. Like, almost a victory celebration, if you will. And that's... What's the other secret? The cancer. Oh, okay. That's that's hinted at throughout the movie? You see her go to the doctor a couple times, and that's really why she's crying. See, right over my head. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> like, I learned that in the end. Like, I learned it... it via oh, oh to, to be fair, Kyle, first time I saw it, I <laughs> yeah. was with you. Because I wasn't really paying attention to that. Oh, but what, what was... I wish I wrote it down. There was... Oh, it was... For some reason, so I, I rented this on Amazon, and, you know, like, obviously there's, it was with English subtitles, and that was just, like, on from the get-go or whatever, you know, I guess most of the time, like, a uh, international film, you know, most likely on a streaming service will have English mm-hmm. subtitles under it. I didn't realize if I had, like, I don't think I had, like, other subtitles on during it but like you know like when it will tell you like music playing and that kind of stuff after the three of them have sex and when the two guys wake up in the morning and uh oh boy what was the word a gagging or whatever and so all of a sudden the word like when he's like you know vomiting and retching the word like gagging comes up and then is blocking the sub like the top bar of the subtitles for the rest of the film so i'm like staring at my screen trying to like read and the dialogue is just so fast and so like in this diner they're just like she's sick and i'm like wait what like i'm just getting so lost and the word get and the word gagging is just over it the whole time (laughs) that's just a glitch on your system i mean yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah (laughs) Well, yeah, that'll that'll do it. But, Kyle, you're not, like, wrong with that, though. Like I said, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, shit. But think back at some of those scenes. You see her in the hospital. You see her crying. And then she's telling um, her idiot 
husband that it's really not about him and it's not about that and when you think about it and you learn yeah. that she yeah. has terminal cancer and she knows it she's in mexico city she's like why the fuck am i with this guy let me go with these kids to the beach why the hell not why am i with this loser so yeah she's not really necessarily crying she's for her ex-husband she's crying because she's dying that's why when we do get to this beach and we end up meeting that family um of that fisherman and you know we learn his story which is sad like what happens later he ends up they kicking him out of that fishing village and he ends up having to be a custodian and not happy or whatever yeah which all of those things so there's you know there is i don't think we ever straight up said that there's a narrator to this mm-hmm, film mm-hmm. Which I love all that and is definitely a big reason I'd love to rewatch this just to really take in those side moments. It, it, it kind of it reminds me of, in a sense, of how Alec Baldwin narrating the Royal Tenenbaums oh, will 100%. give like, fun facts like that or just like very in-depth specific things about the characters in front of us. And so, like you said, like, you know, it's, it's said about passing the maid's uh, town, village, whatever it is. And then, yeah, this, this fisherman that, you know, then he has to move because they're building a resort there. But then when he goes to another area, the other fishermen don't allow him because they're, I don't know if they said union, but they're just organized fishermen. And then he has to come back and be a janitor at the resort or whatever. And he never fishes again. It's just like, Ah oh, man, like that. Like it is just. It's sobering. It's sobering. Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck, life sucks. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, which again adds to like a certain docu- documentary feel to it. Yes, yes, that's a really good call. Uh, I also bring it up though. That's why she feels so connected with that child, because she's on the precipice of death, and um, the lady, the mother of that family, kind of gives a line to her along the lines of, "Oh." You're so good with kids, and you're of childbearing age. You never thought of having kids? I know, which makes that all the more heartbreaking now thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. So the movie is great the first time, but it's one of these movies that you think back on, you're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) You know, if that makes sense. So definitely, you know, give it a second watch at some point. But if not, just think back on it. Or do what we're doing here. Talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I love her rules, too, when they get to the beach. She's like, rule two, I want to sunbathe naked. Don't watch me or make a comment and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, like I'm in control of the music. You're just like thing, all things like that. Like <laughs> for sure, stay, stay x amount of feet away from me. Should we get to the scene that we alluded to, the dance scene, and then you know the sex scene? Sure. Or, or is yeah, there let's, any? Let's... Or is there anything before that? I guess we see some pigs, foodie films. Some pigs invade <laughs> their campsite. Yeah, yeah. There's some pigs from a farm, and there's just even like. Facts about them, like half of them will get sick and the others will be slaughtered. I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff that kind of went like over my head quickly with the uh, with the narrator, with the dialogue. I think part of it was this idea that we're all living our stories. We're all the main characters of our stories. But you turn to your left and turn to the right. There are just stories happening around you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those like when you look up at a plane and then all of a sudden it's like that plane is filled with hundreds of people on their own journey right now. Exactly, exactly. Once they've arrived at the beach, they're at like this kind of, what what do you call it, like a beach cafe or whatever? Yeah, kind of like what we've been experiencing at the beach parties. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of deciding this, but this might be one of, if if not my favorite scene in all film history. Like in in terms of how beautiful it is. Not in terms of like the impact, right? Like, you know, 
I'm sure there's stuff in Star Wars that I really like. I don't know. But <laughs> but in terms of, uh, like, if, if you want to say, like, Brian, what is your favorite type of filmmaking? It is definitely, and you know this from, like, our P.T. Anderson conversations, but it's definitely, like, long shot work. I love the naturalism of long shot work. And I think this is a seven-minute shot. Okay, again, look. We, you know, uh, his buddy does Birdman and like blows his records out of the water later. But I'm saying, <laughs> but uh, I think this is a seven minute shot when they're just at that uh, cafe and they're just fucking around and having a good time. And the banter is great. They're toasting the clitoris and things like that. <laughs> it's just really good. But the way the camera is, and Kyle, like you said, we don't get close ups of her face a lot. And this is kind of the first time we really get one. And she plays a song, which I love this song. It's a Spanish song. It's a song my father used to play, actually, a popular Mexican song. Si no te obrías ido by Marco Antonio Solis. She gets to that jukebox, and I love, she just, she got these lanky arms, you know, she's like, pick a number, pick a number, pick a pick a letter, pick a letter. She just presses us randomly on the jukebox. B13. B13, exactly. And the way she's dancing, like just, or swaying, we just say, with those shots, and just, we see. Well, the her... camera becomes us. And it's yes, the most, yes. It's the most, although we've seen a lot of intimate acts in the film, this is the most intimate we've been with a character thus far because there hasn't been a lot of close-ups and she is looking directly into the camera as if like we are the camera. A hundred percent. And I again I just love this shot, the camera work, the lighting, the location, the music, how it's playing. I just again I can't get enough of it. I know it's so simple and it's just people at a restaurant. F -f -f food films. Hey, you could this could be a this could be a, a famous food scene. Yeah, definitely is. <laughs> It's just so just beautiful to me. I can't I can't describe it enough. Yeah, and she just she dances, struts back over to the table, takes each of their hands, and is just you know kind of they they uh, they make a Louisa sandwich, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and she's just kind of turning back and forth, and just you know very getting very into the music or. Her hips are not lying, and uh, it's sexy and warm, and you know, yeah, yeah, and they uh, f end up back in the room in the in the little uh, shack that they're staying in, and first uh, Tinoch goes in and kisses her, and then because uh, because uh, Julio is lying on the bed, and then she kind of is backing up towards Julio and then, like, takes his hands and, like, puts his hands on her. And then uh, 
it just, I mean, it just goes from there, but she's also kind of like, she's coaching them along the way and just very much like, I mean, it it is also, it's showing, I mean, definitely uh, a theme in this is communication. Like, that's a big thing. Like, don't don't hold back, like, you know, with with the people you love, it's better to be Oh, and they don't, and they don't. No, no, no. Yeah, and like, <laughs> and obviously you have to, you have to, you have to, you know, pick your battles too. Like it was obviously not a smart call, and supposedly she knew that her um, now ex, you know, it was cheating on her multiple times. We learn yeah. it wasn't just this one woman while he was uh, wherever he was. Was he was he in Barcelona? No, where? where? No, no, no. She he was just in another town in Mexico. He was just in another town. She's from Madrid, right? She's from Madrid, but he yeah. she mentions that he had he has a mistress in oh, Barcelona. Oh yeah, mistress in Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyway, it's just from there. I mean, she is pleasuring the two of them, but then we just get this moment. I'm like, I I kind of just had a feeling this is going <laughs> to happen. And these two best friends in the movie, these two best friends, best best friends in real life. Uh, they become very intimate and start uh, kissing one another. And then while the other scenes go a little further in in visualization, it cuts to the morning and she's out having like coffee and breakfast with this family and both of them uh, are wake up next to one another in the bed and have immediate regret, it seems like. Or, or shame or... Shame, or, I think, is a better word. I don't know if they necessarily regret it. We don't know what that night went like. They definitely, I'm not going to say went to a place they didn't want to go to, because I think you have to kind of want to go there to go there, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and the, and the movie, the early on in the movie, does set it up perfectly in their comfortability around mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. Uh, with one another, with, again, with the shower scene, with, you know, I don't care how close you are with your friend, you're still not going to, like, you know, a normal thing is to do is masturbate right next to them, <laughs> si- simultaneously, coming on diving boards so uh yeah yeah it makes it wasn't didn't feel out of nowhere you know i think that's what you're saying right like there could be movies that do this where you're like wait a minute what you know but it definitely feels like ah right yeah there was definitely sexual tension with them and she knew it too you know i love her reaction in the morning like she's so nonchalant about it but they're totally like yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, let's she's go. like, oh, you guys want some eggs? Some, you know, some coffee? <laughs> and they're just like, oh, we got to get back to the beach and clean up the campsite. Again, I love it. I love it because they just go home and it says they have an uneventful ride. They don't really talk to each other for a year. They meet up a year later, have a coffee, chat, and it's clearly very awkward. And, you know, we learn in that chat that she had cancer. Um, Louise had cancer. Louisa knew about it. And she just kind of wanted to live her, because she stays at the beach, and she wanted to live her, you know, last months out in a very beautiful place. And these guys never talk again, you know, <laughs> after that meeting with the coffee. Yeah, and did I read via subtitles that, like, does the narrator say that, like, Tinoch left Julio with the bill or whatever? Or something like that? I mean, I think they just Yeah, uh, or Julio picked up the tab or something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> They both have girlfriends, and they're both like living their life. They go to different colleges, and from what I understand, I believe they go to colleges that are very much like, oh, he went to the state school and he went to Harvard, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 equivalence of again their 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 classism. Yes, exactly, exactly. And again, I know there's a lot of Mexican nuance that you and I, not being Mexicans, probably went completely over our head. But I love being able to decipher some of it, you know. 
again, it's one of these movies that I'll tell you what, I like I've said, I've maybe seen three or four times. I remembered almost everything on this watch. Um, it's, it's a movie that sticks with you. And yeah, I mean, again, I really enjoyed it. Very different than the other beach films we have, but it certainly had a beautiful beach, very beachy vibe and happy to have talked about it with you. Uh, hope you don't feel weird about it. I'm just <laughs> no, I, 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 I mean, it's a beautiful movie. Uh, there is a bit of like a natural progression from these, uh, because we were surprised at these early beach films from like the you know late fifties and then early sixties of how much sex was a conversation. There's something so sexy about the beach, and it's not the yeah, sand. Well, it's not well, the sand. I mean, it's always that's always like right, like when someone also you catch someone changing like obviously that's like a vulnerable moment but like or even if like someone if someone walked out like if i if i if you were over and we were hanging out and i went into the back room and then i walked out and i'm just where's this going (laughs) but like i'm not like in nothing no in no suggestive manner but i walk back out just like in my underwear kept up the conversation then i walk back in that would be a weird moment (laughs) but if like we were at the beach and i'm taking off my shirt and then we're just walking talking on the beach and then like walking towards the water that's not weird at all but so there's just something there's just like a comfortability at the beach that's a good point that's That's a good point you know like that that's always you know like again like it's such a big deal like to see see you know see women in their in their panties and their bras it's like just go to the beach it's the same fucking thing it's not a big deal (laughs) yeah like if aliens came to this country they would not understand that yeah like it's super weird if you saw your mom in your underwear right in her underwear right but like if she was if she was at the pool it's not that weird i I went to uh uh the nude beach at sandy hook last summer with with your mom yeah (laughs) you know with my now ex and Two of her friends, and neither my ex or her female friend got naked, but me and uh, you know, I mean, they're they were my friends as well, but but both us men got naked to go into the water or whatever. But just being at the beach and seeing people comfortable in their own skin, and I get it. Like, I mean, like I I'm sure my mind would have been feeling a little differently if then all of a sudden I saw, you know, my ex's female friend like naked i'd be like oh that's kind of weird that i'm just kind of seeing her naked right now so point being i was seeing strangers naked but there is something to it in the sense that i think it's ends up being like a healthiness in just being like guys it's not a big deal like too many people get too weird about that and uncomfortable by a certain age that it just becomes like i don't know just a way more taboo than it should be Everything in this movie? <laughs> no, not everything in this movie, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you know, there's. Never mind. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, no, but I do bring it up too because what do you think of the age difference? Um, is it disturbing to you? Because I'll put it this way I think if it was like two 18 year olds and an older guy, we wouldn't be viewing it in the same way. I don't know well, why. Well, that's called hypocrisy, sure, yeah. It is, but it, there is a hypocrisy there for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fine, but also I'm um, someone that's in, in the camp of, like, you know, okay, that once once you're an adult, and, I'll, and I'm speaking from uh, my male perspective, that it's just, like, I don't see, uh, you know, a problem with that in that sense, but that's just, that's me speaking that if I was 18, I mean, I would have been way more flustered than even those two guys. Uh, and I no, I would have no idea what to do. I'm not saying, oh, dream scenario, and I crush it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I have zero fucking clue. D- didn't seem that big of a deal. How, how much older is she? Like ten years older than them? Yeah, because she's not. That's another thing too. She's not that much older than them. 
Because she was even younger than the cousin. The cousin was like... And the cousin just graduated, like, grad school, so it's not that crazy. Like, I like a lot of that. Let's see. The actor is... She was born in 70, so... uh, What year was this? 2000... 50-51. Yeah, she's born in October. Not that it matters. Uh, But yeah, she's... she's just absolutely just like a... She's a classic beauty. Yes, for sure. Yeah, so she was like 30 there. They're supposed to be 18. It's not that crazy. Um, no, it's not, no, it's not that crazy. And like, again, it's just, there's, there is like hypocrisy to it. But at the same time, it's like, yes, women can be taken advantage much more easily than, than men. Oh yeah, like just, you're right. There's, there's just, there's just, there's just a unfortunate innate truth to that. And there, yeah, no, for sure. You, you have a good point there. Also, did you notice that one of the kids has a Harold and Maude poster in their room? <laughs> yeah, I did catch that. So that's a, a fun little thing. little tease there. Film of, nerd, yeah, yeah, of, of what's going on in Mexico. This was highly censored. Like this was v- like considered a very offensive movie. Like it had the equivalent of like an NC seventeen there, or they fought for it not to get that, but that's what they wanted to give it. And a lot of it, honestly, wasn't for the sex. It was because of the political undertones in the film. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, government fucks everything up. (laughs) One other thing I wanted to mention before we got to our awards is uh, Quran was very inspired by a French film called Adieu Philippe, Philippine, sorry, Adieu Philippine Mm -hmm. um, from 1962, which has a very similar plot. Uh, Michael is a bored young man in Paris about to be sent to Algeria in the army. Um, one day he meets two teenage girls, they go to the beach, that kind of thing. So uh, I've never seen the film, but if you are familiar with French cinema, perhaps you know you could let us know on social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, High School Slumber Party, if you've seen that film. Or what, just what you think of Itumama Tambien. I'm really curious what your guys' thoughts on it is. As someone who grew up in a Spanish household, I don't feel as far removed from it, but I wonder, again... I think we've become a little bit more uh, literate with foreign films, like Parasite, right? Like, I think they're a little bit more mainstream than they were before. I wonder if, um, I don't know, someone who's not too familiar with foreign films will venture and watch this one. Because it is a really good one. It is a really good coming-of-age story. My first viewing, really enjoyed it. I'll definitely go back and uh, love to, you know, now that I have a general idea and also not thinking about it and, like, directly having a podcast conversation after it, I will enjoy it in a different way um oh the other sorry one more thing i wanted to mention in terms of uh production did you i'm sure you read that thing kyle about the frank zappa song in it watermelon and easter hay the frank zappa state rarely puts their music in movies and originally they said no but the producer sent a copy to them because they really wanted this song and frank zappa's estate was like frank zappa would have loved this film here you go. Here yeah, specifically rights. his wife, because he had yeah, not not a lot of his songs are ever used, but he had a very he had a specific list of songs that should never ever be used in a any kind of commercial sense, and uh, this was one of those songs. And so, like you said, they sent the film. She watched it and went like, "Oh, Frank would have Frank would have dug this." So yeah, you have our blessings. You can use it. Oh, and of course, "Itumama Tambien," the title. It means a lot. Uh, we have already said what it means in English, but the mama character could, of course, be interpreted as her, as the older woman. Um, but it's also kind of an insult in Spanish, specifically Mexican Spanish. 
it's like go fuck yourself and your mother too, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, it's ad- it's added on to a lot of things. Yes, exactly. It's just like an added on. It's like doubling your curse word. Like eat shit, and with that one doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself, you son of a bitch. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, thanks. All right, so who was this movie made for? Teenagers in the Midwest, I'm assuming? Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, really. Who, in the Midwest who, of Mexico. Maybe. <laughs> who, who was this movie made for in actuality? I think, like, not teenage youth, but, like, a younger 20... I mean, maybe, like, yeah, kid, kid. I mean, kids going from high school to college and 20-year-olds, but even then, that just, like, fans of cinema... Yeah, definitely the cinema crowd. This was distributed by IFC, but also younger people as well. But I'm going to get a little bit more specific. I think he made it for uh, Mexican people because he had focused so much on American cinema that he really wanted to do like a Mexican project. It's just so good that it translated to America as well, right? Like, yeah, it got nominated. It didn't get nominated for foreign film. Isn't that funny? But it got nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's weird. <laughs> Oscars, of course, we're talking about. I believe it was nominated for a Golden Globe as well. We read that, yeah. It, it, best Foreign Language Film nomination for Golden Globe, but not the Oscars, whatever. You know how it is. He also wrote this with his brother, which I found interesting. Hmm, maybe they had a certain road trip. <laughs> well, that's a little weirder, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I would say either Mexican youth or just and and people who just love cinema in general. All right, most likely to succeed. Which character won the movie? This is an interesting one. Who won the movie? I feel like both guys kind of lost. Yeah, I don't yeah, I wouldn't call them winners. Honestly, even though she dies, Louisa, I was going to say because she, she kind of does it on her terms if that makes Yeah, sense. no, exactly. I was just going to say that she does it she does it on her terms. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better? Hard to say because it really focuses on just these three. But was there any anything that you would take out? Um, no, because again, like it really focuses on these three. They have like that one stoner buddy, but it's fine. <laughs> I like him. Like, yeah, it adds a little silliness to like the first act. So yeah, no, that's that's yeah. Also, I, I, obviously, since two thousand one, cultural standards have changed. But when you read a lot about this movie, it talks about like. Uh, some people criticize or even just point out the excessive drug use. It, it's pot, you know? It, they're not... Well, there's like ecstasy, I think. Ecstasy, yeah, yeah. A little bit of stuff like that. But again, I'm not, you know, to each his own and stuff like that. But you would think if you were reading things that they were like shooting up heroin. and like... Yeah, it's not fucking 21 grams. Later yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't consider this a drug movie as much as it's like a sex movie or like a coming of age movie. Cameron Fry Award... Did... Did anyone look too old to be high schoolers? I mean, hard to say here, but how about Diego Luna and Gaia Garcia Bernal? Did they look like high schoolers to you? They looked pretty young, yeah. It was kind of cool seeing them that like young or whatever. So I, I think they were like 20, 21 around that age. Yeah, but I believed it. They had baby faces. Especially Diego Luna, I think. Yeah, no, he really he really did. He looked even younger. Uh he and he looks I think Gael looks similar still, like, he's aged yeah. well. Not that Diego Luna hasn't aged well, but he just has a bit, Diego Luna just has a bit more character to his face. Like yeah, he looks, real baby face. he looks distinguished now. Yeah, he also has facial hair now, that helps and everything. Like true, that. very true. And I think he got taller, because ne- them standing by one another in this film, 
not that big of a height difference. I've seen them at like next to one another on like a red carpet now. And like Diego Luna has like a solid six plus inches on. Yeah, Gael Garcia Bernal is short, so you're right about that. Yeah. He's five seven, so he's not that whatever. But it says Diego Luna's five ten, but Diego Luna I don't know. He looks unless he was wearing some platform shoes next to him, he looked pretty big and Yeah, small. like I'm searching it now. They look up. Just call Google search quickly the two of them and that you'll see like a golden globe shot and you, someone's lying about the height there. <laughs> All right, let's let's do it. I'm excited for this because we're taking out the red pen, we're getting those Manila cardstock here. We're gonna grade Ithumama Tambien. But first, let's use a little cheat sheet, if you will. Let's see what other people have said about this film. So 92% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 88% by the audience. But the film nerds, I was curious about this one. 4.1, which is one of the only four scores I have ever seen. That is a super high score. I mean, again, these are more the film nerds. You expect that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But Kyle, you make your own decisions here. A plus to F scale. How will you rate Y Tu Mama Tambien? I'm going to give it an A. A? I give it an A as well. I'm happy we're both in the A range here. I thought you might be an A minus, but A, this is just a good movie. There's no other way of saying it. This is just a good movie. Yeah, if I enjoyed this much without, like, obviously not digesting all of it, just, you know, it was obviously some, again, some stuff was just lost with uh, subtitles. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to revisiting this and, uh, I think nothing can still defeat Encino Man, which I gave an A plus, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it's this and Encino Man. <laughs> what did you give um, another round? Because we both really liked that. Probably an A. A as well, yeah. Another foreign film. You and I are the kings of foreign films on High School Slumber Party. Yeah, people misunderstand me. <laughs> so, so usually I ask you what your movie theme sleeping bag looks like for the slumber party, but this summer as we're here at the beach enjoying our company not as much as uh tinoch and (laughs) and julio but we are enjoying our company together but it's not sleeping bags we're doing beach towels what does your y tu mama tambien beach towel look like nice bottle of mezcal Ooh, i love mezcal i love mezcal i like that Ooh, i love that i was gonna do the corona bottle like a little shout out for our friends at too fast too forever but I don't know. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just do the Corona bottle for me. They drink a lot of Corona in this movie. There we go. All right. Super curious about this one, Kyle. You and I, we're going to take that trip down down to Anchor Ave here on San Emilio Island, one of the last blockbusters that exists. We know we're renting Itumama Tambien. We actually go into that foreign film section. And we're like, you know what? Let's pick Itumama Tambien. <laughs> we go... <laughs> We go up to that front counter. We see a sign that says rent two movies, get one free. I say, Kyle, go to the back. Get two other movies. We're making this a trifecta slumber party. What two other movies are you bringing to the front? All right. This film I mentioned on the first beach party, but I retracted it and uh, put in another film. So (laughs) I'm going with The Beach. Nice, nice. Sexy, too. Sexy Beach movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it has like a similar vibe. Uh, And then I'm going with Roma. Great. Great. Love it. Love it. Now I'm going to give you a secondary question, a secondary Ooh. trifecta question. We're going to put Itumama Tambien on the side for a little bit. We're definitely watching it. We know we're watching it. But if I say pick the best movie of all three of the Three Amigos directors, 
What's your like pick for all of them? So Del Toro. Okay, so I said Children of Men. So Children um, of Men for Curon. Yes. I wasn't a big Revenant guy. Babel. Yeah, not not not. Um. Hmm. Maybe beautiful. Oh, really? Yeah, I liked Birdman, but it doesn't really have rewatchability. That is true. That is true. And I wasn't a Revenant guy. It just felt like such, I don't know, Oscar bit. I'm not a Babel guy. No, I mean, I think But I also I... didn't like, I liked Babel, but it was also like the year after Crash. Crash, yeah. And so it had kind of like a Crash, you know, like intersecting story stuff that I'm just like, enough of this bullshit. But it's better than Crash. Like no, I... no, it's better, yeah. So I, it's, I, no, but I'm still going to say, I'm going to say Beautiful or 21 Grams. You like Javier Bardem? Yeah, yeah, I love Javier Bardem. So what's um, your, this is big for you, what's your Del Toro? Because I think he's your favorite of the three. Or really, he's the one you're, like, grew up with the most, I'll say. Yeah. Um, I have to go with... Crimson Peak. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Pan's Labyrinth. I have to go with Pan's Labyrinth. That Hellboy, The Golden Army? I, lo- I mean, that's a, I love both of this Hellboy movies. And Hellboy yeah. 2 and The Golden Army is a really funny movie. Um, I mean, Blade Two is really cool. It just had like such a feel, like um, just like when other directors would come in. Like, I mean, obviously the first Alien is awesome, but James Cameron coming in and doing Aliens and like, yeah, taking the franchise in a different way. Uh, yeah, Blade Blade Two is really cool. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I have to go with I have to go with Pan's Labyrinth, and that that's always that. I mean, that was such a great year. That was that came out the same year as Children of Men. So Children of Men, Pan's Labyrinth, and Beautiful. Wait, what year was Pan's Labyrinth that you said it? 2006. What did Inuratu have in 2006? Oh, Babel. <laughs> that's kind of cool that they all had films that year. Yeah, that's awesome. But of course, you picked uh, Beautiful, not Babel. But great, great. I was just curious about your picks there. So, you know, a lot a lot of movies were renting. Lots of movies. So yeah, we're really babbling on. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kyle, again, this is a blast. I'm happy you enjoyed the movie. Part of me was going on the... Kyle stereotype of like maybe he's gonna be upset that he had to read this much. I don't know. Oh my god! I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, kidding. I'm no, kidding. Oh god! <laughs> no, I knew you would like it, but just because it's it's a beautiful movie. It's an objectively good movie too. Facetious people. <laughs> well, again, thanks for talking. Y tu mamá también with me. Gracias. We're going to stick with some more modern uh, beach movies. As in, they're not going to take. They're not going to be from the fifties and sixties. Um, we'll figure out what the next one that we'll be covering is. But this has been a blast, Kyle. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, why don't you once again hop into the kitchen and make a drink while I, uh, while I put the slumbers to bed? Okay, I'm going to give you some homework. You should see if Big Wednesday is a high school movie. Big Wednesday. It's a. Um, uh, oh God! Why am I totally the tip of my tongue blanking on his name right now? Really good friends with like Lucas and Spielberg, uh, Red Dawn. Oh, Milnit, Milnit, is that his name? John Milnis? Milnis, Milnis, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I pulled it up now. John Milnis, yeah. yeah. That's the same film. So, him, Spielberg, and Lucas all had money, like they all had stock in one another's films. The films being Jaws, Star Wars, and Big Wednesday. And he made off like a bandit. 
Oh man, I gotta look this up because it just says young people. I'll find exactly. the age. Yeah, I'll, find, I'll the find the ages. age. Awesome. It's supposedly one of the best one. surf films. I've only seen parts of it. Oh, I didn't even heard of this film. This is awesome. Yeah. Great, great. Maybe we'll cover that. Uh, we have some other things. Like, you need to, uh, I don't know. So, uh, anything you want to plug, Kyle? Or uh, you know, uh, check out obviously old episodes of Foodie Films. Uh, check out P.S. I Love Hoffman. Uh, you know, our, our our podcast together. And uh, if you slumbers are interested in any food tours, check out Beyond the Plate Food Tours where I am one of the food tour guys for Jersey City, but we also do food tours in Somerville and Red Bank, New Jersey. So, check it out. Great, great. Well, curious to see what you're going to make in the kitchen. Thanks again, Kyle. Te extraño más que nunca y no sé qué hacer Despierto y te recuerdo mal amanecer Espera otro día por vivir sin ti El espejo no miente te veo tan diferente Me haces falta tú La gente pasa y pasa Siempre tan igual El ritmo de la vida Me parece mal Cuando estabas tú Sí que era diferente Cuando estabas tú God, I love that song. I love this movie. Whew. Hope you're enjoying our summer movies slash beach movies. San Emilio Island summer. I know I am. Maybe a little too much, to be honest with you. <laughs> but just wanted to stick around and let you know Kyle will be back on Monday. We are actually chatting a summer movie. I've never seen it, but I saw the title and I'm just like, yes. We got to talk about it. It is called Staten Island Summer. Hey, sorry that took so long. Got distracted on my phone. <laughs> I was playing a new game. Yeah, what's that, Frank? Oh, uh, it's like whack-a-mole, but with penises and glory holes. And you just like whack the penis back into the glory hole so it doesn't, doesn't, yeah. You're leaving us? Ma, oh. I told you he's going to harvest. College. You know, college is a scam, right? The dundons. Yeah. The pH level is a five. Ten ain't bad. It's worse than urine. I guess this happens with pools sometimes. 
Crystal Manacucci wants you. Thank you for the ride. It was slightly faster than walking. That's the name of my, my rickshaw company. Slightly faster than walking. And set her going, Disney World. We got fast passes. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta cut the umbilical cord. This is going to be the best last weekend ever. We're never gonna die. No regrets. Except the herpes. That I would not do all over again. So put a hat on your bat, okay? Put a condom on your penis. You are the worst group of lifeguards. Can someone tell me why 20 of our lawn chairs were in the pool? Believe we had a hurricane last night? Die! Die! Okay, remember, A, B, C. Always be safe. We are still gonna have this party. And not just for us, for all the lifeguards that have ever worked at Great Kills. Let's get to work. All right, all right, let's see some ideas. Yeah. Get him hey, you guys want to hold the real police gun for a second? Don't worry, the safety's on. Oh, wait, hold on. Now it's on. So your unofficial homework is to watch Staten Island Summer. Once again, Kyle will be back. And speaking of Kyle... Did you watch our latest installment of Summer Break Drinks on our Instagram page and on our Facebook page? Kyle and I were teaching you how to make a Paloma. And guess what? Another video is coming soon. So stay posted to our social media for that. One more thing as I let you enjoy your weekend life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop, look around once in a while. You can miss it. Let's take it away with some Frank Zappa. Later, dudes. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.